and welcome to the unofficial unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. My name is Dan and it is the road off season which means that it is Sarah's actual favourite season of cycling. So here to tell us all about it is Sarah. Hi Sarah. Hello, it's not just me though. Here to tell us all about it is Helen Wyman. Good That's, morning. Hi, Helen. That's right. It's cyclocross season, and we have the reigning, defending, supreme world European champion. Um, see how I slipped the world in there? That was pretty cool, I thought. Um, how are you, Helen? <laughs> Hello. All good? All well? It's all good. You happy, all good happy, to have, um, happy to have uh, defended your, your title championship uh, successfully this year? Oh, it's amazing. And especially as in America, I'm called the national champion of Europe. And, uh, <laughs> it's, it's awesome. It's well, awesome to, to be, maintain to, my To be fair, that's ever, ever since they, um, they came up with the Euro, everyone just was like, oh, so Europe's a country now. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it makes, yeah, makes we a had lot of a, sense. In Providence this year, um, they, they kind of like didn't really know. They're like, a former national champion. And I was like, well, no, this, this jersey is, I am, but this jersey is actually kind of a big deal to me. And eventually I said, right, okay, this is, I'm European champion. And so the guy passed it over to the commentator and he said, okay, and the national champion of Europe. <laughs> and then our friend who's German went up to him and said, you know, Europe's not a country, don't you? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> and she said, well, she's the European champion of Europe. The European champion of Europe. No, no. <laughs> So it went off from there, so yeah, uh, I'm very happy. Well, uh, look, I, I'm hoping, um, and our American listeners, I'm sure, will be able to help us with this, that at all future American events, you get introduced as the European champion of America. Yeah. That, that will get you the biggest cheers yeah. of all. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Helen Wyman, she the went over there and showed Europe. those Euros. Woo! America. Yeah, the world champion of Europe. Exactly. Um, exactly. I don't know how that works. No. <laughs> but so I knew. I, I, was... I, I kind of was... Oh, let me Daniel. <laughs> We've already started in the both simultaneously asking questions, haven't we? We All have. Right. Go for it, Sarah. Go so, so I was kind of thinking that you were going to win when there was that tweet that Stefan posted about it being mud, 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 cold, mud, 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 mud. <laughs> yeah. Did he tweet on Saturday or Sunday? Saturday. Saturday, yeah. Or maybe, maybe even Friday, but it was just, yeah, I didn't realise you could get so many words mud in one tweet yeah. <laughs> well it is on the a lot of that on saturday but saturday night it slashed it down all night and sunday it was just amazing it was even more amazing how, how much of the course did you actually swim well i was actually quite good there was one section after the pit that none of the other girls rode and I was so proud of myself riding it. And the uh, Belgian national coach was stood there on the last lap. And obviously someone had said, oh, she's riding it. And he's like, nah, she's not. And, uh, <laughs> he's and like, he no one could ride just, that. <laughs> yeah, no, no girls are riding that. Mine aren't, so yours can't. And then uh, and he was stood there and he, I just had him go, oh, my. Which basically <laughs> means, yeah, that's good. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool. Oh. So what wasn't as much running as you'd think. It was just slogging through mud, really, which is pretty... Which is kind of what I'm good at, <laughs> which is lucky. <laughs> um, well, this is kind of all related to, to what my opening question was going to be, though, Helen, because it's my understanding that you've been gearing your, your training in and everything this this season to be sort of peaking later in the season. So um, I think, you know, until until those conditions sort of came about, you know, we weren't entirely sure 
um, how easy it was going to be for you to, to defend your, your Euro Championship. So um, how did that sort of factor into your planning and training and everything? Yeah, like, well, it was just easy, wasn't it? You know, <laughs> no, it's... Uh... <laughs> when, when you're this good, you just sort of brush your nails on the jersey and just be like, yes. yeah. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, we wanted to practice a peak, so... And Kopenberg is, is such a huge race for me, mm. and, and it's so exciting to win Euros as well. But you know, if you have good form for Kopenberg and, and you're lucky, you can carry it into Euros. And and I'm really good at the second day of racing, even though even if it's a day apart, I'm really good at that. So mm. um, we tried to make a mini peak so we could practice a peak for Worlds, okay. and uh, and that worked out really well. And I've just started the season a bit. Last season, I started it flying in America and then kind of held on as much as I could but this season we tried to build in America as well so um yeah we'll see we'll see how it goes but I I felt amazing on that day entirely honest I felt amazing you have days like maybe three or four a year where you're just like yeah you know, <laughs> me bitches and, uh, <laughs> and and I was on that day and yeah I mean I had like I think I had 30 seconds at the end of the first lap or something or 25 seconds or something so it was just it was just an incredible day on a course that suited me mm. perfectly because it was just mud and slog and mud and more slog and, <laughs> and yeah it was if, if you could put everything together on that day and hope it's a championship then that was perfect for me so we didn't we went I, it, I can't say oh I was trying really hard and I was really you know like some people put up a message after they've won a race and say like oh yeah well that's that's surprising based on you know on how much I've been training this week and all this rubbish when in in reality they want to win that race as much as the next person but mm. um on that day I was I was good I was really good <laughs> oh no my, my favorite thing is the tweets afterwards where someone doesn't win and they've really wanted to and they go wow I did yeah. really well to come third when I've yeah. been feeling so ill all week <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's just now. Oh, now I know why I was only third. <laughs> really, just be happy. You got a podium. Just be happy, Jesus. But it's also it's also because you know you never win when you. It's what Carl Lieber said. When you win, everyone else was a hundred percent fit and had no mechanical yeah, at all. Yeah, totally. <laughs> everyone was pinging, but I was brilliant. You know, in reality, they weren't, were they? <laughs> I mean, in for the for the race actually, it was really tough on Steph. But for me and Gabby, we went in, we got a motorhome this year, and so um, Steph drove us from Copenhagen. We drove like eight hours, stopped the night in a hotel. We got to bed at a normal time, woke up at nine next morning, cracked on, did the last three hours, and we we're at the course like an hour and a half before the girls that flew from Belgium arrived, and they'd had to get up at five thirty-six to get a seven o'clock flight to get to fly in and they were still only arriving at the same time as us and I think we probably travelled perfectly for us Yeah. Uh, whereas a lot of people had tried to make the travel shorter by flying but then you've got all sick people on aeroplanes and you've got mm. to get up really early whereas we still got nine hours sleep and it's comfortable travelling in the motorhome because you can just lie in the back or you can just chill out in the middle section or you know there's yeah, everything you need is with you it's like your own little sitting room so I think we probably did something good there, whereas a lot of the girls didn't really. Right. Or yeah. well, so, coming back from the Czech World Cup, um, who was it? Was it Lars van der Haar missed the plane? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and all those poncy Belgians, themselves. <laughs> they 
it's like a chartered a flight from the Czech Republic to Belgium so they could be fresh for route of order. Like, really? And they want, who is it who flew it? They all had to turn and fly it. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Tom Mason like, or someone. And then they were moaning, and Steph said in the manager's meeting, they were moaning so much about, oh, the travel is so bad because we have to go Czech Republic back to Belgium. And you're like, yeah. And then everybody else in every other category apart from you has to go back to the Czech Republic in five days. <laughs> <laughs> What's your problem? <laughs> so, Did yeah. you miss, is it, is it that one of those moments where you miss Stibby, Stibby in the Stibar to say, oh, you're, you, you know, you, you, you're, you're, you know, you're a bunch of whiners. I live in the yeah. Czech Republic. Apparently, <laughs> apparently Stibby can drive from his house in the Czech Republic to Belgium in five and a half hours. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, I think he goes to Germany. <laughs> does he drive? Uh, does he drive like he rides? I think he does. He has a fast car, and he goes through Germany, and I think that's pretty much how he does it. But that, right, right. and he goes at night time as well. He leaves at like two o'clock in the morning. But but he's he's got the only Lamborghini with a bike rack on the roof in in the Czech Republic. Yeah, villages. yeah, yeah. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> so. I mean, you, you're. I mean, Koppenberg. How's your mantelpiece holding up with three cobblestones? And Gabby's staying with us at the minute, and mm-hmm. uh, she keeps putting her helmets on it to dry, which is <laughs> nice. But, um, oh, than that, actually, yeah. that would be the best, wouldn't it? If you actually made like a a coat rack or hat rack, like by the <laughs> by the front door, so you come in and and hang your helmet or your, your coat on on one of the cobbles. That would be the coolest thing <laughs> yeah. ever. Oh. They, uh, they call them like children heads or something in Belgium, like I don't know some, something like like little little heads or something. And they actually do look like it when you put a helmet on it. It looks like it could be a head. <laughs> That's actually quite cool. So you're gonna buy some googly eyes and stick them on? And... Yeah. Oh, that would be but that would be something my parents would do. My, my dad bought my mama one of those little cafe is it Nespresso machines or something, and uh, it looks a bit like a penguin. So. <laughs> he uh, bought some little eyes and a mouth and stuck them on it with, with uh, his granddaughter. <laughs> no. My mum didn't find it funny at first. <laughs> well, 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 you know, because it kept watching it. The eyes, they followed her all around the room. Yeah. So. And no one, yeah. no one wants to be watched first thing in the morning before they've had their coffee. So <laughs> it's just awkward. <laughs> or, yeah. or so the restraining order says. Um, anyway, moving oh. on. <laughs> Um, so what are your plans for the rest of the season then, Helen? Like you, you say you get three or four of these epic days uh, a season. So what have you got planned for the next three? Well, yeah, that would be good, wouldn't it? What would I do with those three? I'd like them on um, probably Narman World Cup. Oh. Um, Bile. Bile. Yeah. Bile. Bile. <laughs> and then World. Oh, if I could have four, I'd have one in Nomi because that's quite a good course. And then... Worlds, that would be good. That'd be my four. Cool, cool. My peak days. That'd be awesome. It's right. not going to happen like that. In reality. <laughs> well, but. but if it does, Sarah and I are claiming all the credit. Like okay, all. yeah, cool. yeah. So, yeah. what what is Worlds Cup? Because I was trying to remember who the hide a course, and I know I should remember it, but and I can remember, you know, but it's not one of the races that kind of springs to mind in the same way as I don't know, Shelter Cross or something like that does. What what's the course like? Um, it's it's kind of two fields with a very slight gradient change, not much. 
Um, and there's a lot of straights and corners, and there's a lot of little, literally off cambery bits. It really, there's one section last year you'll probably remember because it was one of the most embarrassing things I've ever seen a woman do in my life when she slid on her ass down one of the banks. Oh! Yeah, that's the one. So mm-hmm. um, it's got like a little uh, like banks near the end as well and a big run up. But the it will depend on the weather conditions. If it's icy, it would be a much different, very mm. fast, very attacky type course. If it's muddy, it would be incredible. <laughs> last year, the exact time of year that Worlds was last year, there was it was thawing in Europe, and so it was probably about seven or eight degrees, and it was actually really muddy. But the week before, it was completely frozen when it was a World Cup. Two weeks before, when it was a World Cup, it was completely frozen. So. It, you know, the last time it was Wild's Day, it was frozen. Mm-hmm. Um, so the timing's going to yeah. be a big factor then? Yeah, just depend on the on the weather conditions will be a huge factor in that race. Right. right. Oh, it's so exciting. So it's, maybe we should we should be preparing some rain dances now then or, or something like that, should we? Yeah, that would be yeah, yeah. awesome. I could. Think what we want to prepare, Dan, is like maybe a big blanket of snow. So to to thaw in the week before, so it gets a nice thawy mud, and then lots and lots of rain on top of it. That would be great. That would work perfectly. Have you seen a video for the for it? The, I, uh... I love the video. I got told off. I got told off for posting that video and saying it was great, but I thought the video was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got pretty excited about that video. <laughs> Yeah. I thought it was the most ridiculous Just to, thing be, I've ever to be seen. fair, Helen, to be fair, it wasn't me doing the telling off for once. It was other people. <laughs> I'm not the only one who tells Sarah off. So. Yeah, it was pretty wild. Yeah, mm. I, I, I did. I, I, I mean, I, I, I thought that the American, um, the American bombastic announcement was the absolute best bit of it. <laughs> Oh, I didn't actually listen to it. I just watched it, skipped through it, and went, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yes. Hey, um, I've got a couple of technical questions for you, Helen, if if that's cool. Can we talk a little bit about uh, your setup this year? Of course you can. Um, how are the new tyres going? I remember last time we talked to you, you'd just been working with um, with your, yeah. your tyre manufacturer to develop your own kind of cool custom tyre. And yeah. has that actually gone into production, or are they still just making them for you? Yeah, the chicane is out. They didn't call it the Wyman XS, a bit disappointing. But, um, the, <laughs> they, uh, they wanted a name that would be memorable. So they, <laughs> they, called, it, <laughs> they called it the chicane. Um, so it's like a um, file tread in the centre, so a flat tread in the centre, and then it's got like a little bit of mud tread on either side on the outside. So mm-hmm. you've got a lot more gripping corners and things. And they, it's not quite the same as the prototype one I was using, it's not quite as aggressive, but I think for the American market, it's absolutely perfect. And they sold out um, within a week. So. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's pretty – like, uh, there was hype around it, and yeah. people have been trying to get a hold of it, and they'd seen it. But for the American market, it's just yeah. the perfect set, really. So, wow. Sponsors yeah, take note, out. though. Sponsors take note. Wyman gets results for you. New, <laughs> new, new product lines, and she sells them out in the in the first week. That's pretty yeah. cool. I'm not um, sure if I can take it for all of it. I think Steph had a lot. Of like, yeah, I rode it and went, ooh, that's really good. <laughs> I like that. Well, that but they're was, also working on, that was working on some really, part of the process, I'm sure. So. Yeah, they're working on some really good other stuff as well, and they're um, especially for us. And 
and hopefully you know they can create more ties into the future as well that they're, they're a really awesome company to work with challenge they just like when you're part of the of the group you're almost like they're an Italian company so you're part of the family and like mm. it's you know whatever you say they're like oh that sounds really good we want you in this meeting we want you in there you're like whoa okay this is your like board meeting and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's cool it's really really cool and, and hopefully that will be awesome. helping develop uh, some something special for some ice awesome. this year awesome. and um, do you wear your power suit when you go to the board meeting no, it's on Skype. <laughs> oh, I was hoping for like shoulder, you know, like one of those um, um yeah, things with shoulder pads, pads and, a, and a pussycat bow and a yeah. rounded collar. You know, you know, pure Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> I do actually have a suit. I had a suit for when I did job interviews when I was eighteen, and I still have the same suit. And it doesn't quite fit anymore because I was not quite as anorexic looking as I am now. I, I ripped. I hoped you were going to say. Yeah, ripped. Yeah, yeah. Muscular, athletic type. So, but did people do treat you differently when you wear a suit? I was on the train coming back from the job interview, and I, uh, I was like walking through, and people were like giving you respect and stuff. And then I got changed in the toilets and put my scabby jeans and t-shirt back on, and nobody even bad an eyelid as you walk back. Might go put the suit back on. <laughs> but, but you felt so much more comfortable, so you know. Oh yeah. It's a, it's a massive yeah. trade. Um, and, yeah. and, you are, and you are in Belgium, which is the home of great suits, because obviously we saw Gilbert's um, uh, wedding suit and Sven oh, Mace's amazing suit with the, the other year at the, Belg- at the Flanders Cycling Awards. So, you know, if you want a sparkly beige, shiny suit. Yeah. Golden yeah. suits. Yeah. I'm, I'm, fashion here. I'm sure Sven could give you the, the name of his tailor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah. Sure he's, I'm sure his tailor would cut you a good deal too because I bet he's not getting a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Um, so back on back on the tech side of things for a second, Helen, you're, uh, you're riding disc brakes this year, aren't you? I am. And how, am. Are they, how are they going? Like, are you loving them or...? Absolutely amazing. They are genuinely revolutionary. There's things you can do on disc brakes that... I never thought a cross bike would be able to do. I genuinely, genuinely love them. And you see the footage of stuff like Rue de Vorda and the races where they show a little bit more of the women. And you can see I'm riding stuff that the girls are running because they don't have the... Um, yeah. With the disc brakes, you have so much control that you can control how fast and how slow you're riding. Well, that was, and you can control uh, yeah. the whole way around a corner or something or up a bank or anything like that. And, and they couldn't do that on Canty, so they had to run it. And it was just amazing they're just incredible yeah they really are incredible and i've been using <coughs> i'm using the trp spire which is mechanical uh-huh. that's what my team wanted us to try this year and i i'm not a like bike techie geek type person it's not really my thing nail varnish sure but <laughs> and uh when we first got them they just look so pretty and so simple and so effective it's just it's literally a caliper that you pull a cable and the cable squeezes the caliper together equally. Mm-hmm. And that's how you... And it's so simple, but so effective and so light as well. And Sven was moaning about... Well, he wasn't moaning. He was saying that the uh, the disc brakes are really, really good. The only problem is that they weigh more. My bike weighs more because I don't want to carry two extra water bottles. That's effectively what he's carrying. But my bike weighs 7.2 kilos. <laughs> the mm. weight limit is 6.8. And I don't have carbon bars and stem. And with that, it would be seven. And with shallow section wheels, it would be easily 6.9. And so 
Yeah, so you'd be no right on the weight limit anyway, really. Yeah, right yeah. on it. So I don't. I think it's just because Sven's bike was adapted. It said it wasn't like designed as a as a as a disc brake bike. And you look at mm. the design process for this Super Jake. It took two years in the designing to make it. And we were part of the study group thing that they start set up in the beginning to decide what they wanted and what they didn't want on it. And and that was two years ago. And from that, they created the mold, and then they they make the bikes from that. And this so this bike has been tested. It's had two prototypes. It's had everything done, and and it's an, an incredible bike as well. They've really stiffened it up. It's 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 even too stiff to ride for three hours on the road with road wheels in. <laughs> 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 it just kills you. <laughs> but, which which basically makes pretty... it perfect for riding hard out for for the whole of a cross race. Then though, doesn't it? It makes it. It's, it's a perfect cross bike. It really is a perfect cross bike because, as well, when you're racing cross, your tires are softer and stuff, so you're not, you know, you're not on a hundred hundred psi and yeah, and yeah. taking all the bumps on the road. It's it's different, but but it's responsive. And so, mm. as soon as you as you accelerate, you don't even have to be out of the saddle to accelerate, and it accelerates with you. It's yep, yep. It's a really, you know, I really because you can change where the brakes have to go and the strength of certain parts of your bike because you don't have the canties brakes on it. Yep. You actually can make the bike so much stiffer and it's a lighter frame than last year's frame. So, you know, I think, yeah, disc componentry is heavier than, than canty componentry, but the frame's lighter. If you use the same equipment, if you use the same wheels as I had last year, it would probably be the same weight. So. Okay. And, and, um, and, and even as a, as you say, a, a non-techie, you know, not super bike geeky, um, pro, you still feel that you can, you can see definite advantage in, um, in having them though. Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I think, Definitely. Like the the first race I rode in Ronza in the first in mud, wet, horrid conditions, <laughs> um, we had organic disc pads on and it was the pads that failed. And mm. so I didn't have a break for half a lap. But we've been working with Swiss Stop and they've told us what we should use and they've sent us a load of stuff. And I haven't changed my brake pad since then. And I've done wow. muddy races since then. So, cool. you know, it was literally it was the wrong choice of pads that we had because we didn't know anything yep. about it. And we yep. didn't we didn't know what what and how to use stuff so yeah um that was the only problem we had in one race wow um, after that you learn and you change yeah. your strategy and well and i imagine it's got to be a huge advantage to to be able to like you were saying you know ride sections that previously it would have been too technically difficult you know running canties to to be able to get the the control that you want on the braking that, that's got to be stop. huge because you can stop you have so much confidence in what you're doing and so um in one of the first races sophie debor and ellen van loy like hit each other down a descent crashed into each other and they didn't actually crash and fall off but it looked like they were going to and they were directly in front of me and i just put my brakes on and i was like oh well if you crash i can stop and go around you anyway it doesn't matter and you have that confidence in every single corner and every single descent and that makes you a more confident rider and the more confident you are the more races you win because mm -hmm. you know you can do stuff yeah, so yeah absolutely for me, for me personally it's meant that i can ride at stuff as fast as i can know i can stop and that's that takes a few races to get used to because <laughs> you're like oh, no, not sure i want to do this <laughs> you know you can and, and it yeah. really and there's sometimes you go around a corner and with canties you you adjust your speed going into the corner so you know what speed you're going and then you can accelerate away and sometimes you ride into it you adjust your speed and you're like oh, i could have actually done that quicker 
And then, but now you like go into it for gas and you go, I need to, oh no, I don't actually need to break. And then you go around the corner and all other times you go, oh yeah, need to break. <laughs> <laughs> so, but so you can it if still you stop, you, you know you're going to stop. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is my, my follow-up then. As a, as a non-techie, uh, non-bike geek rider, are you finding yourself becoming a bit more techie and a bit more bike geeky given the, the kind of great partnerships that you've got with like Challenge and Kona and, and everyone else as, as you're developing products alongside these, these companies? Um, uh, mm, no, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Well, this, this is my, like, last, like my last technical. Okay, sorry. I, I'm working out. I know when the tire pressure is too high or too low, but ultimately it's Steph that chooses the initial pressure to go riding with. So, and then I'd say, oh yeah, that's too much or that's not enough or stuff like that. And so I think it's more, me and Steph work as a team in everything we do and I had kind of been lost without him. So I think it, it's more of a, of a what we do together rather than a me okay. being technical in any way. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I have one last technical question for you, I promise, and then we can we can move on to fun stuff again. Uh, what is the most aerodynamic nail varnish on the market at the moment? Oh, well, that would definitely have to be some kind of, like, lacquer-type nail varnish because it would have the, the smooth finish. There wouldn't be as much, you know, uh-huh. air pockets over the... <laughs> Right, and probably right. bits of Jeep nail varnish, so probably. Right. And and are you accepting submissions for um for companies that want to become your nail varnish sponsor? Yeah, if OPI want in, then um, just send me an email. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> so, it, it's, so it's my turn to ask the questions, and yeah. I famously do know which end of a bike is which and which side goes <laughs> down. Ever since we got you that drawing explaining it all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do know which way points front and things like that. But what yeah. I want to know is the gossip and the ridiculous stories about your life in the cycling, Helen Wyman. Because I remember when we were talking about the Giro, the protest at the Giro Toscana, for example, you yeah. were telling some great stories about <laughs> your life in cycling. So, yeah. You Tell, know about my year at Toscana. I want to know. Well, I want to start because um, for people who are cyclocross fans, not road fans, Toscana was one of the big um, dramas of the road season, which basically mm-hmm. ended up in most of the peloton refusing to ride the last stage because of little things like cars on the road and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's a pretty Italian racing is pretty wild anyway, but that race was the wildest race I think I've ever done. It was two thousand and four. Is that an Olympic year? Yes. So 2004, and it's like, um, it's a warm-up race for Worlds, basically. And mm. So all the good teams are there and everything, and nobody wants to take risks because Worlds is less than a week away. So we uh, we were there, and there was there wasn't particularly dangerous on the roads itself. They did one stage where they had a morning stage where you finish at the top of a hill. You had lunch, which is always amazing there. That race, the food is just incredible. <laughs> and then you ride... You did 40k neutral downhill to start the second stage. Jesus. <laughs> that was wild. And we did that day, we did like 185k or something. And, and you're only allowed to do 110 average across each stage. So that was a bit dodgy. But then they had this nighttime crit on another day. And uh, it was dustbin day, so all the dustbins are out. And 
There was it wasn't street the streets weren't lit very well at all, especially the dustbin covered streets. <laughs> and so the people decided that the girls decided that it was just too dangerous and it wasn't gonna decide anything on G C so, you know, we don't need to be doing this. And um they uh maybe it was two thousand and five actually, because it was after Amy Giller had died, so they uh, and so they said, okay, we're going to neutral the stage. We're going to give all the prize money to the Amy Gillett Foundation, and you know, and this will be fine. And so everyone said, okay, that's fine. And and only Wood was the UCI representative at the time, and she was in the peloton. And this Brazilian girl attacked. So which the DS at the time found it really funny to go, there's a Brazilian up the road or something like, you know, as you do, and uh, <laughs> the and so she attacked up the road and. And everyone was like, what are you doing? And so Anoni went after her, caught her, because obviously her attack wasn't very hard. <laughs> <laughs> she said, you know, you've got you've to stop this. You know, we've agreed on this. This is why it's dangerous. This is how we progress women cycling. And she said, yeah, but my DS has said he'd give me 500 euros or something if I, if I won the stage. And so it was Chlamydia Fernandez or something. <laughs> and it's an awesome name. And uh, so she said, she said, oh, well, I've got to, I want the 500. That's a lot of money for me. And, and Anoni tugged on a jersey and said, you've got to come back. And she said, no. So she cracked on. So everyone stopped. The next time at the finish line, everyone stopped. And uh, the girl came around to laugh us all. And uh, the Bronzini, like, basically lumped her one. And everyone was spraying water at her. And she just cracked on. She just wiggled through the peloton all sat and then just cracked on, came around to laugh us again. And uh, and eventually everyone decided they'd finish the race, they'd neutral it and just ignore however much time gap this girl had and the leaders would cross the line together and then that would be it. And they did and everyone did that. And then the next day, Anoni Wood got disqualified for tugging on the girl's jersey, so she wasn't allowed to start. Oh. And uh, yeah, and it's Michaela Fanini runs the race. Yeah. So yeah. his daughter died in a... Brunello. Died in a car crash or? Yeah, no, yeah. Brunello, Brunello runs the race. Mikel is the one who died. Oh, okay. Say that again. Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, Brunello runs it. Yeah. And there's this crazy, like, monk guy every day that praises the race with wild hair and stuff. He's got pretty wild hair. Have you ever seen Coming to America? Yes. You must have seen Coming to America. His hair is like the like the family from yep, the rich yep. kid. In that, okay. like, curly hair. Yep. And uh, <laughs> they do this presentation thing at her memorial on that day and so people were kind of like well Anoni shouldn't be disqualified from the race but this is his special day because all the jerseys go and they have a ceremony before yeah. the stage and so nothing really happened from it and it just carried on and, and I never did the race again after that but I think I, I think he's always had problems basically yeah yeah well I mean last year um last year they had a stage where people I think the road signs all sort of shit happened I think they just stopped in the middle of the stage and Bronzini yelled at everyone <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then they you know neutralized the stage let Bronzini you know Bronzini crosses the line first got off a bike and went and yelled at people some more and it's like I think what was interesting was in that post Toscana Ferrari some people go oh well if not everyone was riding everyone should have you know if not everyone agreed not to ride everyone should have risen <laughs> i was like what <laughs> yeah it's it's the thing is you it's hard enough to be a road rider is hard enough as a woman and to put all those extra dangers in as well it's just it's just really silly and and people probably don't quite understand what it's like because you, you watch the tour de france or you watch 
any men's pro races on TV and, and the roads are completely closed. There's no problems. There's no, the worst thing that could happen is a dude running alongside you up an Alpine Hill, you know, mm-hmm. in, whereas there, uh, we've been in places where, where motorbike riders have crashed into the Peloton, where cars have pulled out in front of the Peloton mm-hmm. and it's, and there's parked cars all the time and nobody, when you're in a sidewind and you're all lined out, nobody mentions the car as you go past and you just flick out and suddenly there's a car there and, we have to do that every single week in our races. So when if if the female peloton said that race was dangerous, then that race was like riding on open road because it's dangerous in every race yeah, you do. So yeah. well, I, you know, that's that's one of the uh, one of the points that we we were discussing back at the time is that you know for for the women's peloton to be actually going, this race is so dangerous, we're not going to ride it's it's way out it's way out beyond just dangerous it's it's really into oh my fucking god no sane person would do this dangerous um definitely and and it's one of those things that i think you're absolutely right that that people if they've only really seen men's races um it's really really easy to misunderstand how much um how much more difficult the conditions that the women generally ride under are let alone um, a, a situation like this. But also, I think one of the other points that Sarah and I discussed a lot was that, um, like you say, that there's a pretty pretty clear history of difficulties with this race. And yeah. um, and one of the points that I tried to make at the time was was that I think, you know, it's also pretty clear that, you know, several years of, of neutralised stages or, or sit-down protests or whatever have basically failed to have any sort of meaningful impact on, on anyone, not just Brunello, Fanini, or the rest of the organisers, but, you know, all the way up to the UCI. Uh, um, so at that point, you, you really are faced with a situation where you've got to start taking much more dramatic and, and significant steps to try and draw attention to the issues. Definitely, definitely. And it's it's a shame because these guys are the people that want to run races and they just need a bit of help from the right people to make it right, that's all. And, mm. yeah, it's a bit, you know, he's a little bit mafia, but <laughs> at the end of the day, he's been running a race for 15 years or so. Mm. So he's the kind of guy, the people that the UCI should go to and say, right, we want you to run your race. They mm. shouldn't just say, oh, well, in that case, we'll downgrade you. Like, they did it to Turtle Island one year because... Because of she chose she there was something to do with the team selection or something, and so they downgraded her race to a point two. And the Tour de Lide is the best run women's race mm. in the world. Second now it would be to uh, to Turingen, but and they downgraded her race. So the next year she said, "Yeah, go bollocks! You know, I'm not run my race anymore." And she two years later she didn't. She stopped running the race. And instead of going to her and saying the UCI is saying look you know you can't do this I appreciate the team didn't go to your presentation which means a lot to you but your race is a is a standard that we want to run other races by and we want to use you mm. to do this you know here's a slap wrist don't do it again because she wouldn't do it again mm. yeah yeah and then you probably still have this incredible 10-day stage race in France which is really well run which is really well represented which has good food which has good good teams it has everything that you need good publicity it's you know it's a really really good race and you'd still have it whereas now you don't Mm. and and it's also one for the climbers because that's the that's the other interesting thing isn't it about what you lose because when you're losing races in the mountains and gaining them in the netherlands much as it's great to have races (laughs) it's not quite the same thing no it's not quite the same when your biggest hill is a rubbish tip yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, 
and, and Sarah's still lives in hope of, of recreating or, or re re um, animating the the Emma Pooley Invitational all uphill time trial race. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I kind of think that you know, like one of those ski resorts, but instead of um, instead of going up on the cable car and skiing down, you'd ride up mountains and go down, come down by the cable car. No, that's pretty good. I like that idea. That's, that was the stage of a mountain bike stage race I did this year. Oh, tell us. 16k uphill time trial. Finished <laughs> in the snow. It's pretty damn awesome. Where was yeah. that? That was in Austria in July, uh, June, June time. <laughs> and it, we went, the snow line was like 1,200 metres and we climbed to 1,700. And I was on every other stage. I think I was around 10th uh-huh. out of the 20 riders. And on that stage, I was one second off third. Oh, wow. That's pretty awesome. That's very awesome. I liked that stage, 16K uphill. And the last 4K was in snow. It was awesome. I went past so many people. It was brilliant. <laughs> I was having past the steed. And uh, because mountain biking snow is so much easier when you're running across in the snow. And so I was just hammering past this dude and it went slightly so downhill and I switched to the other track. There was only two tracks at the time. And I was like, yeah, this is awesome. And then it suddenly just started sliding sideways. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. I'm going to look like a right tit here. <laughs> but I managed to keep it upright and then just crack on. Like, yes. <laughs> did you get guys, if you were riding with the guys, did you get guys getting very upset that you were overtaking them? Um, well, it was, to be fair, they probably would have known I was a girl because I was wrapped up so well. <laughs> Wow, that skinny guy's doing well. <laughs> <laughs> probably a local, yeah. you know. Legs. Yeah, pro- yeah. Pro- probably an Austrian who lives in the area. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, something like that. But you, when you got to the top, you then got the ski lift back down. That was quite cool. Well, you, are you ever tempted to do mountain biking this summer? No. <laughs> that's very emphatic. Well, yeah, no, that's that's, no, that's I, pretty definitive. I really, I really enjoyed it. It's fun. It's good for your skills. It's good for, it's good for you mentally to do something different. But I'm I'm never going to be awesome at it so there's no point in wasting time especially especially when I'm old I'm so old and I don't have that many years left in my career so what's the point in trying to learn something new when you look there's the skills you require to be a good mountain biker at world cup level I decided when I was 19 that I'd never have those so you know there was no point in carrying on and, and the same now and, and in this Austria thing it was great it was really good fun but you're like four and a half to five hours of just riding just riding and riding and riding so slowly uphill and then descending and then riding so slowly uphill and then descending and then it's just like not really my thing and world cup mountain races are too scary you just need more (laughs) more excitement packed into shorter amounts of time don't you yeah basically Mm. they do something to keep you excited but they had, I mean, what I hadn't realised before I started watching the World Cup mountain bike racing on um, Red Bull was how much running they do in the World Cups. <laughs> yeah, they did seem to do a lot of that this year. It looks, you watch on TV and you're like, that looks flat while they're running. And how often are you there going, you know, I could ride that on my cross bike. Yeah, <laughs> and then you see Buff riding, and you're like, "Wow, she's making the cart, so maybe I couldn't." <laughs> but it's also those, it's also those rock gardens, you know. Oh, right, we take a nice. Yeah. That's what they don't. They don't have that in cyclocross, you know. We take a nice section and just throw some rocks in, sharp yeah. edges with sand, with sandpaper. <laughs> rock gardens, rock gardens. That would be my worst oh. nightmare. <laughs> it's not a soft landing anywhere in a rock no. garden. No, well, no, and and did you, there was a downhill race where Rachel Atherton, I think she landed on her head three times. It was the only World Cup she didn't win. 
Yeah. Maybe yes. And she and there's it's just these shots where you just see her kind of go. She's not even going that fast because it's really technical. You just see her just go bang, land on her head. Like that's 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 not yeah. a good that's not a good move. No, no, definitely. And you know, when I was I was talking to um, Rudy De B, who's the uh, Belgian Federation coach person for cyclocross, and he'd done a load of the mountain bike races with the juniors this year. And he said even he was scared, and he was a world champion in cross. <laughs> and he said, at my age, there's some things I just don't try. <laughs> okay. So, so if we could make the worst cyclocross course for you, we'd put some rocks in. Oh, it'd just be a rock garden. What, else, what else would you have? Yeah. Would you have off-camber rocks? Do you like off-camber? I like off-camber. I don't like rocks. What about mm. sand? I mean, is sand, sand, is good. Is sand, sand just is like fine. dry mud? Mud, dry mud's all good. Probably concrete. Any form of concrete rock. Right, so basically your worst course would just be a road course. Basically my worst course is the night race at Wedigan. Oh, okay. Ooh. Yeah, because that's just road, road. Mm. Like some barriers on the road, some steps on the road. Some road. A little sand pit. And then some more road. Of, then some more road. Mm. So, and so your best course would be mud up to the knees of course it would be mud that you can still ride okay so rideable mud rideable mud but some people can't ride it and when we say when we say some people we mean everyone except you yeah everyone except me that makes me yeah. feel like a hero and then i ride it more <laughs> so, so basically so basically stefan's out in the night before with his um with his uh big um, hose pipe and his yeah. um, adding oh, huge hose pipe. Oh, so this is what can... this is what the camper the the camper van was for. Is you're actually hauling water to pour over the yes. course, right? Yes. So you actually had a swimming pool full of water back there that you just leaked out on yes. the course over the night. Yeah, I get it. It wasn't it wasn't a camper. They're all sitting in the front seat. It was just a water tank. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and what, what what other ingredients would he add to make the perfect Helen mud? Um, cow manure. Oh God, no, no, that makes you sick. Um, like just, just mud, basically, just mud, and maybe some slightly technically off cambery muddy bits that not a lot of people. Well, like when me and Gabs ride Providence, the Americans think it's exciting when they put in um, off cambers, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh yeah, this is really difficult." <laughs> me and Gabby are just like pissing through them like the road, and that's the kind of like slightly slick off cambery stuff as well that. I have the perfect tyres, so I can just get traction and just ride it like it's not there. And so a few of them would be pretty good, and then a bit more mud. Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, pretty much like the Euros, really. Oh. Well, um, um, I was going to ask Helen, who looking looking ahead into the the next part of the season, what are what are the? I mean, we've had your your four ideal days, but what's what's your actual plan in terms of? you know, building to a peak and what are you targeting next in the lead up to Worlds? Because I'm assuming, of course, that you're going to target and win Worlds. That That is my next target is Worlds. I realistically, like, obviously, I'm going to win. I mean, <laughs> I'm amazing. But realistically, <laughs> um, I think that you would have to have some kind of nuclear bomb under Marion Voss's saddle for her not to win. So <laughs> I think realistically, second at the World Championships would be a win. But mm-hmm. a podium would be something I'm aiming for, and a top five I wouldn't be disappointed with. So since everyone, well, I didn't, but since a lot of people thought that going to Louisville, um, oh. Casey Compton would win because it was her home ground. 
and Voss won. Is there any chance that Compton can win Hugerheider and get that back? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, Compton is a legit bike rider. She's really good. She's started her season a lot slower this year because of injury. She's an incredibly good bike rider, but Marianne Voss is just something special, you know? She rides a bike like a man. She does all of the things that Steph tries to make me do every single time, and she does it every single race. And she's fast, and she trains hard, and she's naturally talented, but she's incredibly skillful as well. And so it's not like you can get anything back from her on his skill section. You can't, you can't say, oh, Voss will be faster in a straight line, but I'm going to get her back on this technical section because she's technically the best as well. So, you know, I don't, I don't see... It, it would mean it would be bad luck on her part in order for someone else to beat her, like, you know, 17 punches and losing a chain or something like that. So <laughs> it, in in Volkenberg, I was on her wheel um, for the first half of the lap and the way she accelerates is just outrageous. Like, I'm going full gas and probably knocking out as many watts as I possibly can and I can barely even hold her wheel, barely. <laughs> And then after five of those, I'm done. Does, I can't stay there any longer. Does, does it distract you, though? Like, are you, are you on that wheel watching it and, and part of your brain forgets about the race and it's just like, holy fucking shit. No? Or are you <laughs> well, still still focused on your plan? No, you're just like, hold the wheel, hold the wheel, hold, hold the wheel, hold the wheel, come on. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I, I asked that question <laughs> to someone who has literally never in his life held anyone's wheel ever. And yeah. so it's a completely foreign experience. Oh, you must have, no, no, you must have held your brothers. You know, when you had your little brothers. No, no, they had to follow me because I was the eldest. Uh, yeah, see, I was responsible uh, for, yeah, for getting them safely that. to and from the park, so I had to ride in front. Uh, yeah, I do remember in a in Holland Hills one year, Holland Hills Classic. I was in the break with Boss and like five others, and she was only maybe eighteen at the time. And she attacked up this hill like she was on the flat. No, like she was going downhill and like, <laughs> like trying to climb Mount Everest. And she just, I was on her wheel and she just went boom, gone. And it's just like, wow, okay, I ain't getting it back. And <laughs> so, you know, she, yes, I did beat her last year. However, it was on perfect conditions for Helen. And she'd flown in from South Africa, especially to do that one race and flew back the same day. So, right, you know, right. it was probably the only chance, the okay. best chance no, I possibly but, but had to beat her. And we're starting to get together a picture of what needs to happen for Worlds, though. Um, is mud. We, we need lots of mud. Mud. And, um, and then a little bit more mud. <laughs> and then we need a, a round-the-world yeah. flight for Marianne before... Before the race starts, we <laughs> need it in China. <laughs> there's, Two days there's, before, there's a missile crisis that we need you to solve. It can only be done with a cross bike. <laughs> Will you save the world, please? Yes. Yes. Mister, whatever his name is, Wing Ying. Yeah, yeah. Or, or possibly, possibly, you know, hey, look at that Chinese cow. <laughs> right off. Yeah. See, see or, if that works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how does it, I mean, how does it, how does it, I mean, I guess also, I mean, the other thing is Mariana on home soil. It's one of those things, isn't it? Where what do you do to keep motivated when you've won everything? Well, I like particularly to win at home. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, she's just so good. She's just so talented and she's a really nice person with it, you know. And, and uh, I mean, I said to her after the first race in um, Etat and Bosch, 
she just made us look like we were kids. And I said to her, I got to the podium tent and I went, oh, hey, you were in our race. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and she just laughed and said, yeah, but I guess I did a lot less than you guys. <laughs> and she's just such a nice person, you know. She's just so friendly. And and if if anyone can be a champion, has to be a champion other than me, then I'm, I, you know, she's the one I want to win because she does do a really good job for the sport. And at Geaton last year, the race is at 10.45 in the morning. It's in the north of Holland. There's nobody there. And because Mariana Voss went, there was like 30 photographers and journalists and TV crew. Mm. And solely because she was there, if she wasn't there, there'd be a man walking his dog that stumbles across it by mistake. <laughs> and so, you know, it it's really good for our sport that she is the champion because she represents it really well. She is a big name. She is famous. And she looks incredibly good on a bike, you know, and, and, and she does make make it look easy so i i'm really happy that she can win if i can't <laughs> <laughs> those are the only who, conditions we'll accept <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, who else, so who else should we watch out for this season because you've got i'm um, compton is she going to do her usual only coming over for the world cups no no she comes over now and then she stays until january oh, so right. she'll be doing all of the christmas races um and then you've got Nikki's riding really, really well. She's yeah. come off uh, Road Worlds where she was really strong. So she's, you know, she'll probably have a bit of a dip in form, but then she'll go back up again. Um, and she's incredibly talented. Um, Sophie Dubois, although she hasn't got a contract. I can't believe that. talented. Yeah. Um, and um, so from January the 1st, she can't ride a bike because her team takes her bike back as well. So Oh, my God. Oh, so, I mean, how does a rider, I mean, so first, I just want to mention Nikki because I mean, obviously, you yeah. and Nikki on the Euros podium. She's just been yeah. flying. She 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 won. Um, oh God, which one did she win? Shit. She was second in the Czech Republic. She was only like ten seconds off mm. of Compton, which was a really really good ride. But mm. again, if you've got road form coming into something like that, it was a road race. Um, and she's got. Uh, she won. Runza. She won Ronza, and that was a completely different course. That was just mud and yep. running and, and stuff. And she also won won this weekend. She won Hammerzoga. She did, didn't she? And so that's, I mean, why is it that... And then Gabby, of course, was in the top 10 in, in Czech, in the Euros as well, wasn't she? Was she sick? Yeah, and we nearly had a, a all-English podium at Rudevorda because Gabby got out-sprinted by literally five centimetres um, for third place. So that would have been pretty exciting. That's yeah. never before so i mean how does how why why are there so many good brits you know you and nikki and gabby what what's what what is it about british because it's not because we don't have a british cycling cycling cross program do we so what is it that makes british women so good so damn good helen i think we were just born awesome (laughs) (laughs) really i was i was gonna go more with the it rains there all the time and so you just use it writing and (laughs) no The uh, <laughs> the thing is, we've always traditionally had incredibly good women. Louise Robinson was second at the World Championships. Isla Roundtree's podiumed at World Cups. Um, Vicky Victoria Wilkinson has had top fives at World Cups. Sue Thomas was a really good bike rider. She's a great mountain biker and cross rider. Caroline Alexander. You've always had traditionally really good cross riders, and I just think that's because. As a sport, it's very accessible. Mm. Um, it's very easy to do. It's very family orientated. It's very friendly. 
there's competition but it's not too competitive it's um i think it's just a nice environment and maybe that's more attractive and it's easy to do because there's a lot of races locally to everybody mm. you know, there's a lot of cross races and there's no danger involved you don't have to go out on the road and fight with cars and things you you know the only danger is sliding in some mud and going oh that got dirty <laughs> so you know that's that's as bad as it gets really um and i think that's just we've always just traditionally had good women and when you when you are racing against people that are better than you week in week out you raise your game to their level so you know even though me gabby and nikki haven't really raced in the uk for the last four or five years it's still people still know they have to raise their game to that so i think that's where where it comes along and and also if you see if someone like abby may parkinson now or hannah payton sees riders like me nikki and gabby that are surviving that are making a living out of what we do and mm. they see that and they think okay that's a legitimate path and road racing you see riders like katie colcloth who are retiring at 24 or however old she is 26 23 23 because she doesn't see a legitimate path for her in her sport and mm. well i'm having a great life and i'm can afford to do everything that i want to do off of my salary so you know it's for, for the young female riders to see that then that gives them an inspiration that you know maybe maybe that's something i can do because that is a legitimate path and it's a way yeah 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 no you've thing. you've convinced me i'm going to get the nieces into riding cross <laughs> no, get, get them also but also you look at something like downhill as well where you've got like rach atherton as the absolute superstar and you know manon carpenter is the like young yeah, you know, little young girl and Tiny Seagrave is the junior world champion. And it's the same sort of thing where you're going, yeah. oh, right. So, you, you know, you're, you're well sponsored. My entire family can watch the race on on, on their computers. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, here's, here's a good sport for me. Yeah, definitely. You just have to want to be insane. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, and a lot of people say stuff like, you know, spending to get six to eight thousand euros to start a bike race. OK, fair enough. I don't, but I do still get money to start a bike race and I do still get enough money that even without, that, that it makes a difference to me. And and so, but Sven Nice brings 10,000 spectators to that race. Yeah, yeah. I should, and they pay 15 euros each. Why should Sven Nice not get 6,000 euros to start? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. I do think that the prize money should be the same because it doesn't matter how many spectators of that race, Sven Nice still wins that amount of money. <laughs> And I still win my pathetically small amount of money that if, for the same race. So, yeah. but, you know, and, and in terms of return, yeah, sure, Sven East is probably on 600,000 euros a year, but he is a big name. And until we get more TV time, I can't return that to a sponsor. So why would a sponsor pay me that? But equally, I am re- creating some return for a sponsor and I am creating publicity and I am, I'm doing this and I am getting some TV time. You know, we get like five minutes in super prestige now and, so I am creating a return, mm-hmm. and I think I'm valuing that return. So mm. we're oh, never going to be able to But but great value. I mean, I think this is one of the things that I um, I guess we're moving a little bit off off that core topic. But one of the things I love about um, the way that yourself and Steph work together uh, for you, and then on the the matrix side of things as well, I think incredibly smart about the way that you proactively look for opportunities to to really give value back to your sponsors 
Um, you know, I mean, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Like, like Sven can can bring ten thousand people out to a race, and you know, and they're by by the very nature of that, basically achieve a great return for for a sponsor anyway. But I, I really love the way that that you and Steph work together to find other opportunities that that can still really add value and and enhance that relationship. I think it's really smart and and really positive. Steph is a genius. Like <laughs> genuinely, Steph is a genius. That man is just incredible there's there's nothing him and google can't do and <laughs> he is he he just comes up with these ideas that you're just like wow and yeah i mean matrix team this year is going to be next year is going to be so exciting because he's working with new people and these new people are so like him that it's just incredible there's there's like three or four of them that are, have ideas that each of the other couldn't would have thought of but in a different process and then they're just sharing all their ideas and it's and they're so proactive with it it's going to be really really exciting next year it really is and um but yeah Steph is just he's so good because Steph is a businessman he worked in financial services he was um yeah he managed a pensions company for wealthy incredibly wealthy people and so he understands business and he understands mm. it's like Hans van Kastering the guy that runs Telenet Fidea he is a ruthless businessman. He's not a great person. He's really not. But he, you know, asked Sophie before, but he, uh, he is a fantastic businessman. And it's people like that that actually give return. And, and for Steph, it doesn't matter if it's if it's male or female. It's not, you know, for him, it's not like, oh, I'm going to do all this just for women because my wife's a rider. For him, it's like they're bike riders. It should be equal. So mm. I should treat the girls like I would treat a guy's team if I had a guy's team. And so... I should treat the sponsors the same and I should get the same return. Yeah. But he also understands that you have to work harder to give return for women mm, mm. because we have less media opportunities. Mm. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, the guy's a genius. Cool. And that's and <laughs> but that's, but with like the World Cup now being streamed in English on the UCI yeah. website, for example, the women's race and the men's race. I mean, that's that's really, really, really exciting. I mean, I think for cyclists as a whole. Cyclocross is in a really, really good position. I genuinely believe cyclocross is improving week in, week out. And the, the big bugbear for me is the prize money. Mm. And if we can sort that out, cyclocross is, is better than any other cycling discipline because already we have TV time. Mountain biking is good, actually, because mountain biking shows the women's races too. Mm. So we already have TV time. We already have our races on the same day. We already have access to the same to nearly as many people as the men do. Mm. When our races are immediately before the men's, the same people turn up so they can get a good place. They watch our races. They understand this. They, um, the Belgian sponsors are starting to think more about the women. So as Bel- cyclocross is a Belgian-based sport to start with, they're starting to think more about it. There's this thing called staff supporter, which is like the best supporter of um, that goes to the races. And and me and Santa Kant are on that on that list. And I think I'm fifth at the minute, just ahead of Bart Wellens, in uh, how many supporters enter this competition and, you know, right. say, I'm a fan of them or I'm, Sven's obviously winning. But, <laughs> yeah, so, but, but with, know, with the power doing... of the podcast, we can get you up to second for sure. Well, yeah. <laughs> you have to be Belgian, Stan. Yeah. Well, everyone <laughs> yeah, who listens to this is moving to Belgium right now as, as, yeah. as we speak. They're on their way. Yeah. But, then, yeah. but hasn't hasn't like, hasn't the um, hasn't the World Cups got equal pay this year, no. or is it only World Champs? Only World Championships because there's only three places to play out of that. Oh, okay. 
Right. Uh, it's less money to win that than it is to win a World Cup for the men. Oh, wow. So, okay. But um, it's, so it, it's kind of... It needs it needs to progress still. It need it mm. can't send its lock just because it's better than road racing. Yeah, but yeah. It, it does need to progress still, and it does need it does need people to, to you know to put in place little things. And, and this year they changed the the rule about the top fifty. And if you're in the top fifty um, for your country and you're top three from your nation in the world ranking, you your country has to allow you to ride the race as long as you're not being under investigation for anything you know mm. i didn't and, know that they didn't that was really sh- that was a shocking thing yeah that was a rule for the men so it made the sport legitimate so small federations couldn't say oh just because you're danish in 48 oh you can't go mm. they'd have to let the danish person go even though he's probably not going to win the race it you know it's still if you have less than 50 people on the start line it doesn't make your sport look very good mm. so it was basically to keep the sport standard and and but it was only for the men, and this year they changed it, and it's free to change. It's not like it costs them anything. Mm-hmm. And so this year, if the rule had been in place for American Worlds, then we would have had probably forty starters, where instead of thirty-two, mm-hmm. and good riders would have been able to race. But from now on, we will we will have as many riders as people like Marguerite Koppenberg from from Denmark and like the French girls that you know that didn't get the chance last year and. And that's a really good thing because they're they're still making small steps and yeah. they've changed the things for like parking for World Cups. There's instead of it being elite parking, it's now male and female elite parking. So again, you're in the same area as the men. You the if the um, the interviewers and the media guys and the photographers they'll take pictures of you because you're there. Yeah. Whereas before, when you're not there, they're not going to go find you to take pictures of you. So you know, there's stuff like that that's changing all the time and. Yeah. And that's really good. There's a couple of things that we really need to. But that, those are, those are really good points, though. That like like you say, you know, rules are free to change, and and these are simple changes, but they do actually have when you when you stop and think about them, they have quite a large impact. So um, they do. They have. Yeah. They really do, and it's and it's important that like some people will go, oh, you know, prize money's rubbish, or oh, not going to super prestige because the races are on so early, and and it's like. But just mining about it isn't going to make a difference. You actually have to try and do something. You have to try and engage the organisers. You have to try and create a way that you can promote promote your sport to them, so they understand that it's better for your race to be before the men's. And yeah. you know, and it's yeah, they're they're pretty bad at getting start contracts out as well. But and they don't have of all the categories, Super Prestige doesn't have an overall for women. It does for juniors, kneelingers, and elite men under twenty threes. But they want. They have to want to do it, and the um, the Blue Post Bank Trophy does want to do it, and it has put up some good money, and it has. It is using the women in the presentation for the overall series um, in in November this October this year. They asked me to go along so that they had a woman there, and you know, so it's kind of you have to work with the guys that are trying to make a difference. And just accept that it's a slow, slow process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. But, but, but do you have, I mean, with people like Hanker, for example, you know, oh, Hanker, the goddess of, um, <laughs> before Mariana Voss, there was Hanker Kupfernagel. Um, because that, because Hanker and Daphne did a lot of fighting, didn't they? Like, when they were coming they up. Did. Like, like, getting to be able to ride World Cups and getting paid and getting a World Champs and stuff, didn't they? It's just... They I mean... I think it was probably Hanker alone that actually got us a world championships, which is is pretty impressive. And and she again was a girl, was a rider that raced like a dude. You know, she 
she trained like a dude, she raced like a dude, she took lines like a dude, and she, because of that, she wanted to be treated like the dudes. <laughs> she wanted a world championship. So, you know, it is, there's always people that have to campaign at some point, and it's easier for us now because we have stuff like the UCI Commission, which has women on to represent the riders and we have stuff like we have access we have email we have <laughs> internet we have <laughs> we have twitter and facebook we have social media which is a tool that 10 years ago you wouldn't have been able to use so mm. yeah it's it's a lot easier for us now than it was then but it's still important to keep campaigning because mm. i say we're so close to it being as equal as it is it could be yeah <laughs> yeah we just you know we just need to just keep fighting a little bit harder. Yeah. And I guess when you when you hear a, like a rider like Sophie De Boer, who's been all over the podiums this 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 season, and you hear about her not you know not even having a bike in January, not having a team, that's just that's so gutting. I mean, not in a contract for not, a rider of her quality is just outrageous. And I don't know what you could do about it because you know the the major teams are all Belgian. It's not the the only Dutch team is Rabobank, and they've reduced their road their um, off road program. So she doesn't have a chance there and then the rest of the teams are Belgian and they're not really that interested in the women's side of it they already have women so you know they're not going to have another one just because they can and and that's a real shame and but if if we lose another rider like her it would be a shame because we've already lost Christelle this year I know she's 33 or 34 but you know that's a good rider gone we've at the minute we don't have Sanna Van Passen because she's out injured and if she can't get back then we've lost her that's another good rider another podium level rider gone we lose Sophie Dubois that's another podium rider level gone you know and it's like it's really tough because as we the more riders that are on teams that have a salary that are on teams that give them the right support that provide them with vehicles that provide them with staff and all those things the more riders in the future can have those same opportunities yeah that's just as important to me as it is that I get the opportunity because you know, there's young riders, there's young Belgian guys. You watch the Rudevorder video, Yara Castellan rode through the entire sandpit. I mean, that's pretty talented, and she's only 16 years old. So it's like riders like that, they need somewhere to go mm. when they're mm. 21, 22, you know, and so... Yeah, well, and like, like you said earlier, I think, you know, one of the really, really important aspects of it is the visibility of it, like actually being able to see that it's achievable. Um, you know, yeah. is is just so important. So yeah, in America, it is in in America that every team has women. Every team has one or two women, and every team is legitimate, and they are all treated the same, and they're all in the same areas, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And and you do see riders like French riders going over to to America to ride for those teams, like British riders going over there because they do treat you more equal. But it's but if you want to race your season in Europe, you shouldn't have to go to America to ride for an American team just mm. so you can race in Europe, you know. There should be a European option too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I guess it's, it's hard, isn't it? Because, I mean, tell that for Dea. There's so many, you know, they're just, they've got so many more riders than every other team. I just, yeah. it's just, it's just gutting have... to drop. Gut, I mean, I can see why Belgian team, Belgian riders, but gutting for, gutting for Sophie. I hope she gets a, Hope she gets a team. Yeah, Dear, it does. If anyone wants her, you need to get in contact with her. <laughs> <laughs> and she's really friendly, isn't she? She's a really yeah, nice. She's a really friendly person. She's got great. She's got great social media. Yeah, she's nice. She's nice. So, you know, and she's good. And at the end of the day, good bike riders should have 
you know, you should have teams that support yeah, them. Yeah, should, good bike riders should have good homes. So. Yes. So, yes. some some quick fire questions for you, okay? Yes. Some quick fire, because we know you've got to go and mentor some junior riders. I do, I'm supposed to be there in nine minutes, that's not going to happen, but it's okay. Okay, right, well, cool. so <laughs> some very, very quick questions. First of all, um, Ina Yoko Teutenberg retired this year. Yeah. Do you have an Ina story? Um, one of the stages at Turtle Load, we, uh, I was watching and uh, she was sat on a bench like five minutes before the race, just sat there just chilling on her phone. <laughs> <laughs> no one else was all nervous and like edging up to the start line and fighting from the front row like they do. And she was just sat there and I was like, are you racing today? And she goes, yeah, yeah, I guess I should probably get organised. <laughs> <laughs> She's just so chill, she was just really cool. She's a good, good person. Um, what's the worst thing that a race has ever done to you? Um, put me in hospital. Oh, oh, that's nasty, isn't it? Okay, what's the worst conditions you've had to race in then? Like, you know, like, like you know, Ooh, that time they maybe eat cockroaches and... In Lille two years ago, it was like minus 16 when we left the house. Oh. We wrapped up to the race and it was still minus 12. And Steph goes, right, you're going to go for warm-up now? And I was like, yeah, but you haven't got my bikes out. And he goes, well, they're in the back. And... Uh, <laughs> Nowhere to find them. <laughs> I was like, but you know what you're doing for me? He goes, I ain't getting out in this weather. <laughs> so I went off and did a lap and I came back and I was just frozen. I was sat in front of the heaters in the van just like warming up and, and Steph goes, see, I told you it was cold out there. <laughs> right, okay. I raced in like full on tights and thermal over jersey and everything. It was pretty wild. <laughs> uh, what's the worst thing another rider's done to you in a race? Or tried to do to you in a race? I don't, I don't think people don't tend to to be too douchey. No, they, well, they, I, they, I, they know better that, than to cross you, don't they? They've learned the hard they, way. Well, no, they they like I'm not. I don't fight back that hard. I try to just drop people. <laughs> <laughs> it's much easier that way. Then you don't end up in little fights. I don't. I heard there was a really. I did see one girl um, go so hard around the corner to get to the corner first before this other girl from her same country that she actually totally stacked it and crashed out of the race. And the oh, other girl no. just giggled and rode past her. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I heard there was a really grumpy rider at Rid of Order, though. Like, it was. So there's some real bitch who, like, you know, no one should have ridden next to because she was dangerous. Yeah. I did say to Gabby that, you know, don't ride next to me today because I'm probably going to cut anyone up in the corner that I feel like. <laughs> I was so grumpy. There was a load of people just, like, wandering around and taking, getting the photos and all that kind of stuff. And, and one of them was just staring at the motorhome and just staring in through the front window. And I said to Gabby, oh, Jesus, stop staring. <laughs> and she goes, wow, you're grumpy today. <laughs> and I yeah, said, yeah. But I wasn't dishy at all. I was actually quite good in that race. <laughs> and you've got your new van. I have. Haven't you got a palace on wheels? It is awesome. It's really awesome. It's meant you can have a wash after a race. It's meant you can stay warm. It's meant you can have tea. You can get changed. You can do everything well, in the I comfort was, of your own say, it's really good. Like basically, you can start your recovery immediately, can't you? Like, there's no waiting to get back to a hotel or. or no, yeah. no, it's perfect. UCI races are supposed to have showers and stuff, but in reality, they never do. So. Um, it is good that in, in uh, Euros this year I, I um, did a warm up lap and at like 9.30 in the morning and then came back and we were so muddy that I just got my just took all my muddy clothes off and then had a quick shower and 
you're warm instantly and you're back in a warm environment in clean dry clothes and it's so nice whereas before you take all your muddy clothes off and you still have mud on your legs and everything and then you just like wipe it down a bit and you'd be a bit chilly and then you know and, and you wouldn't have a nicer environment to do stuff in so it's really good Dan, any quickfire questions? Uh, look, I think the, the last question I have, it's not so much quickfire, but I have promised <laughs> Steph, I'm sending Steph a, a mix CD because after your epic trip to, to the Czech Republic, and Russia, <laughs> um, basically yeah. he's sick of every song that you guys have. So is there anything in yeah. particular that you'd like me to include or, or not include perhaps on there? I think you should include some Christmas songs. He loves them. <laughs> <laughs> Duly noted. Duly noted. Oh, yeah. Christmas songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd love that. Yeah, yep. really, honestly, he'd love that. Yep, yep. No, I'll, um, I'll make a whole album of, of nothing but Christmas songs for him. <laughs> it's alright. We've already got one of those. <laughs> <laughs> when, when do you start your Christmas preparations? Sorry, when do we? What? Sorry. When do you start your Christmas preparations? Um, we actually go to Spain um, after Coxider, so. We and we don't get back until the 18th or 19th of December, so we don't really have a Christmas. It's kind of we're racing on Boxing Day and we're in a hotel on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, so it kind of like we don't really have a Christmas. We don't. Oh, really and you love it so much. I know, I know, but I'm just gonna make it amazing when I retire, and Steph's just gonna have to suck it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, is there anything you'd like to say? Anything you'd like to tell our audience of one? Buy Kona's. No, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's been fun. It's been fun chatting. Well, well thank um, you very Helen, much for making some time available to us. We appreciate it. Yes, <laughs> Helen's about to go out riding with some juniors to um to to, 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 to take them riding. So don't do anything evil to them and don't oh, get we going to? and don't okay. get dropped by them. We're going cross training, so it'll be fun. You can't get dro- dropped in cross training. Awesome. Okay. I bet I could, but uh, that's not really today. So. <laughs> no, but you couldn't because you'd end up at the same point. So, <laughs> if you drop, so it's like, uh, okay. <laughs> Did he go really fast and sprint past us <laughs> or was he going along? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for your time and good luck for the rest of the season. And we'll start our rain dancing now. Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.